We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. I'm Chanae Ogwumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, Front and Center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. Intercepted by Sam Mills. Oh. Steve Smith is going to go all the way. Panthers win in overtime. He steps up, throws for the end zone. Olsen, touchdown. Brian Burns to the house. This one is picked again. Intercepted by Boston. Bridgewater, throw into the end zone. Touchdown. Samuel still on his feet inside the five. All right, Panthers fans, another edition of the Roar podcast is right here. John Ellis, Billy Marshall, the Blue Wire Network here to give you the inside scoop on what happened with the Carolina Panthers. Tough loss at the New Orleans Saints. We'll break that down, give you a positional feel for what happened. Close contest down there in the Superdome. Get you set for a big game coming up in the NFC South this week. Let's dive right into it, okay? So this team right now, okay, we're almost at the midway point of the season. Where are they? Because this is a question I asked myself today driving the car. And I know it's a silly question. Where exactly are they in Billy Marshall's eyes right now? Are, where, where are the Panthers? Sort of where I expected them to be. People have different intentions on 
where they want to be. Some people want them to be a playoff team. Some people want them to be a Super Bowl caliber team. Other people want them to be to not win many games so they can get a highly talented quarterback prospect. I, I don't really care what they are as far as my you know own ambitions. I guess overall my predictions at the beginning of the year when we did the preview pod, I sort of expected them to be mediocre to bad on defense and to have an offense that's pretty um, stabilized at each level. And they're the ones who are kind of carrying the team in most games. And I think that's been reflective of how the season has gone. I mean, certainly the defense has performed a little better than I thought, but we can get into it later. I thought the shortcomings of this unit were exposed infinitely on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, three and four and their point differential is only minus six. So it's nothing too crazy. It, it, that kind of tells you that they are a team that is right there. I mean, they're three and four, the record reflects that. So it's not like they're a fluky three and four and it's not like they're an unlucky three and four. Right. No, totally. Uh, makes that kind sense. of, sums it up for me at least no and yeah just off the top i wanted to get your thought because my dad and i were having this discussion we were watching the game together we've been lifelong fans and we're just trying to figure out hey he asked me son where are we at right now i said well let me ask billy because billy knows where we're at better than i am i've got my pie in the sky thoughts and where they can go and the schedule you know we're not going to look too far down the road but the way they played this game um we'll start with the offense you know we talked about it in the pregame we talked about it in the lead up what New Orleans could do defensively up front in terms of attacking, uh, you know, these guards in terms of the stunts, in terms of the movement. And for the most part of this game, they did a very good job in terms of protecting Bridgewater and Bridgewater did well. Um, It wasn't until the very end where uh, 92 (laughs) just got right up in number five's grill and uh, affected that third down play. But we'll get to that. Let's start with how you assessed the offense from the quarterback position, I guess we can go into that. How did you feel Bridgewater played in his return back to New Orleans? About expected. Yeah. And it was certainly his best game of the year, but I expected that because him and Joe Brady, they spent how many years with the Saints? They know Dennis Allen's defense inside and out. And in my preview with Nick on Thursday, he mentioned that the defense right now is, you know, their coverages and their secondary and just their entire unit is underwhelming and for a team that's been together for that many years it's not really encouraging that's um that was his kind of diagnosis of their defense so right i wasn't surprised to see brady and bridgewater have success against them because this is a unit in a team with coaching with the coaching staff that they spent uh, a lot of time in that building obviously it they had a decent amount of familiarity bridgewater knew where to go he knows that um, stadium as well. He played in the Superdome many times, so you yeah. can get an idea of where the play clock is and how to just be more comfortable in that type of setting, especially playing indoors. It's, you know, Bridgewater isn't a player that you're going to want to go into Lambeau Field in December <laughs> and carry you to a win, but yeah. when you're playing indoors in optimal conditions, he's going to have success. And I felt like the Saints, they gave him those opportunities, and we can get into a large discussion of how, but I thought he certainly played really well. And I expected that because I thought that this offense was going to know how to attack 
their defense because of the familiarity they had with the quarterback and offensive coordinator. Sure. Yeah, I thought it was his best game of the year. And I think you could echo that 23 of 28. I mean, that's, you know, you you can't get much better than that. And it wasn't all dink and dunk. I mean, he had the deep one down there to seem the DJ Moore um, had another one late in the game that he could have connected on, but the protection wasn't there. So he was scanning down field with more regularity here. Two touchdowns, no picks. One of the touchdown passes was a quick little uh, shuttle pass, but we'll give, him, we'll give him credit for that one. You know what the hell? But uh, I think getting Curtis Samuel back was huge. You, you've talked about that ad, ad nauseum, and I know the preview, you guys broke that down. We talked about it last week, not having him in the lineup. Uh, you know, six targets, six catches, 48 yards, and he drew coverages away at times that, that opened up the field. Uh what are your thoughts about getting Curtis back on the field? What kind of impact do you think that had? I mean, certainly on that DJ Moore touchdown, right? You know, two of the, I mean, we can talk about, I don't want to spend too much time on what the saints did wrong, but regardless, multiple defenders on the saints, they converged to Samuel in his corner route, which opened that, that exactly. post route for DJ Moore and he was wide open. And that's the sort of thing that we were missing last week. They didn't really have that other guy to distract other members of the opponent secondary. Right. Um, so guys like Moore and Anderson would have more opportunities in better scenarios. And I mean, to Curtis's credit, he also played well as a receiver and a runner too. So it's yeah, not like he was, right? yeah, it's not like he was just doing his best work as a decoy. I mean, as a pass catcher, he made some really tough catches, especially on third down. I like the broadcast mentioned, and yeah, the touchdown was, I, I think, a combination of really good coaching uh, because I believe the Saints, they really wanted to, to sub players out. Right. But the Panthers, they quickly went up to the line of scrimmage. They didn't Quick allow them to do deal. that. Yeah. And they quickly snapped it, and there you go. Uh, yeah, Samuel that, was in the end zone. That was impressive. I, I was actually David Buster celebrating my brother's birthday, so I was trying to keep an eye on the game too, but I had my back turned. Billy and I, I turned around all of a sudden I see Samuel celebrating the ends. I was like, what the hell happened? And they just ran like a muddle huddle and got up. And that's like two or three times now where the staff has, you know, been cognizant of substitutions. That's impressive. And uh to connect in the red zone, obviously. I talked about this in my pregame on uh, Sunday morning on Periscope. You know, Samuel is a red zone machine at times. I mean, he he racked up, I think, nine total red zone touchdowns last year, and not all were in garbage time either. These were quality plays, some of which from the hands of Kyle Allen weren't exactly gimmies, as we know. So um, getting him back there, I think, gave Bridgewater a lot of confidence. And it, to your point, the play to DJ Moore, we'll get to him now. Uh, you know, what, what an explosive play that was. And man, yeah, you're right. I, I don't pretend to know what the coverage was because I'm not that smart, Billy, but I can tell you right now, just looking at it, the, the Curtis Samuel pulls these boundary defenders like a magnet and it clears just this beautiful pathway down the seam for DJ. What a play and uh, four catches, 93 yards. He's kind of making a name for himself in that Superdome. He does three visits there now and he's had big games each time. Um, Robbie Anderson, six for 74. So, you know, the big three played well. Uh, what what do you think is going on with in terms of the Saints secondary? I mean, honestly, uh, <laughs> you guys talked about it in the, in the preview. I heard some of that. Um, the defense does look a little susceptible in the back end. What's going on from their end? The, you're talking about the Saints? Yeah. I mean, what what do you think? was helpful in terms of what the saints are struggling with right now. I mean, defensively, is oh, it Lattimore? Yeah. Um, is he having a hard time in coverage? Is it Joe? Who's, 
who's standing out as far as a problem for them right now? Yeah, so I, I think it's a combination of um, their scheme not really being able to hold up on the back end. Gotcha. And so obviously we know that Lattimore and Marcus Williams and Chauncey Gardner Johnson, these are good football players. So it's not like those are untalented players like the Panthers do. But the issue I think with the Saints at this time is that yeah, they're not really playing a lot of like diverse coverages to really try to disguise teams into making poor choices if that makes sense no it does um i mean you you could see like the panthers did it yeah yeah no i I was just thinking like you know watching the game back again it wasn't like the first time that i've seen these defenders for the saints Mm-hmm. be completely like unaware of what's going on behind them it's sort of like a right symptom of bad eyes that's like what i was getting at their that, eyes in one right because i've seen a trend here with this this group and, and they they get a lot of you know they've gotten a lot of publicity in the past of course i think 2017 18 were their better years but uh yeah i was just curious to get your thought on that i mean obviously bridgewater's familiarity joe brady we all know that is a huge advantage from an offensive end to be able to come in and sort of dictate what you need to do because you have uh, in your mind what they're going to run. I mean, Dennis Allen, he he's no, I mean, they're back in the playoff game and you will get to the fourth, the third down play later, as far as the, uh, the missed opportunity where Bridgewater got uh, sacked, but that, that was a, 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 a kind of a blitz call that I expected in that situation. Um, it's, it's what they do in those third and long end of game situations. They're also very good against yeah, the I run, mean, Billy. Just, Go ahead. Yeah, no, I mean, just to bring it back, there was a there was a moment later in the game where the Saints, or, or I think the Panthers, they called that same play that they called for the DJ Moore touchdown, but um, this time Lattimore and Williams were able to kind of communicate a little more effectively, right. and the safety on the other side of the field, I can't remember his name, um, instead of, you know, when, when Williams, you know, comes on, on the corner route right. Lattimore carries you know the deep middle but the other safety is also helping over the top um we saw that play later in the game and I meant I commented on it um in real time when it happened mm-hmm. yeah well it's interesting because you know they're they coming into this game I I had it in my brain that you know look it, it, maybe it's too obvious but don't spend too much time trying to waste uh carries here and and, and to stubbornly dedicate yourself to the run because it's not going to work out for you. They're a stout run defense. It proved that way. 2.6 a carry for the team. Uh, you know, Bridgewater had two carries for 10 thrown in there, but Davis was not a factor in the ground game. He was a marginal factor in the pass game. Um, I don't think you're seeing rust or anything there from him or wear and tear. It's just he's going against some better run defenses here. McCaffrey's still unknown right now. Um I wasn't too concerned about that, though, because I think, I mean, you can certainly weigh in on this, but this was the type of game based on what we knew about their secondary where Bridgewater needed to throw it more than they passed it. And it proved to be the case that that was their most effective route in terms of moving the chains. Obviously, 
I had New Orleans ran almost double the amount of plays that Carolina did. We'll get to that in a minute. But, I mean, you had 14 rush attempts, 28 uh, pass attempts. I, I think that was their best way forward because, obviously, they're attacking where New Orleans is weak. And uh, I, I, I like what I'm seeing. I mean, in terms of the passing game, um, I, you look around the league, there's a lot of teams right now around the league that would like to have this level of efficiency. We nitpick. We want Teddy to do a little more. I know I do in terms of maybe late game stuff. But that's me nitpicking, I think, overall. this We're very lucky to have an efficient system like this at this point. It, it's fun to watch, I think. Yeah. It's a hell of a lot better than last year. Let's just put it that way. So we, uh, Oh, yeah, definitely. Move move on from the Kyle Allen. I posted that one clip earlier, Bill. I was like, Kyle would have put that thing at least 10 yards to the left of, <laughs> of DJ or behind him. It just, it was a 48 yard pass. It wasn't that difficult, but still to get it on the money like that was a welcome sight because uh, Kyle missed a couple last year and that was no fun. No fun at all. Um, tight ends are not catching balls, Billy. That's nothing new. Uh, Ian had one for 11. Uh, it's not something they're really interested in doing, I guess, at this point. Something you still want to examine right now, or just they? <laughs> I don't. I don't think there's anything to say about what they're doing. Obviously, they're not making the tight end uh, priority in the passing game. It's just. Um, um I, I have no idea what to say about that yeah. at this point. I mean, it, it, I'm going to have to like rewatch all the games again to get a better sense of it. Like my current analysis is on point with yours. It's that it's becoming a little tiring you know, each and every week to see the tight end not involved. And again, based on what I saw last week and based on my early um, read on t- rewatching this game, it did not seem like these p- tight ends, whether it's Manhurst or Thomas, it's not like they're playing bad. No. So I don't know. It, it has to be a schematic thing. And, and that's something I'm hoping to, um, especially now that we're having a, um, a 10 day break after this Thursday game, yeah. maybe go back and rewatch some of these games, get a better sense of what they're doing and why they aren't using the pattern more frequently than they should. Well, definitely. I'll be curious to get your take on that. Cause it's uh it's a bit of a head scratcher because uh, Sean Payton historically has run the tight ends pretty well. You can't say that Joe's going to do everything Sean does. I don't want to get into that, but a lot of his influence comes from the Payton tree and, uh, and Thomas played 32 snaps and uh, had one target. So, Go figure. I guess if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But uh, I think they could do better to get a tight end more involved. We shall see. Mm -hmm. Even though sports had a break, your business did not. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important now than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, and you can pause your account at any time. And there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a $75 credit for free at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. 
Go right now to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. Let's uh, move on to the defense because we have to. Um, yeah, it was not all that great, Billy. Uh, but let's start on a bright note. Uh, you've said it. It's the quote of the year, I think, because it makes just the most sense in the world. Brian Burns is the best player on this defense, perhaps the best player on this football team. Guys need to get on his level. I chatted with his brother, Stanley McClover, who just uh, absolutely loves to talk, and I just let him go for it. And he had... Um, a lot of interesting stories about Brian, but just getting back to this game, this is his third strip sack of the season. Third, I think in the last five weeks. And, uh, what can you say, Billy? I mean, the, he's there in less than two seconds. Breeze doesn't get that very often. Uh, and it was a huge play in the game. Let's just start there. Yeah. I mean, that, that was certainly the best defensive play I can think of. <laughs> I mean, I can't really <laughs> the only think one. of others that stand out and, yeah. I mean, they won the turnover battle one nothing, didn't they? I don't uh, think had a turnover. Yes, I think so. I'll double check that while you're going through this, but I believe it was a plus one. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, this is just, I mean, I told you like maybe a month ago that it's like everyone has to reach his level. and You did. And I think there's a larger discussion we had about where the defense is because I saw a lot of really upset fans like live tweeting saying, oh, Phil Snow's got to go, like this player isn't good enough, blah, blah, blah. I just fear, think like people need to come to a realization that the talent on that defense is really not good enough. And yeah. so when you have <laughs> the personnel, and like when you have personnel that's kind of limiting your potential, right. you can't really call like disguising pressure or diverse Right. coverages to really confuse breeze or bring exotic blitzes you can't do those stuff your you hands are tied at that point you don't have the diversity in terms of depth so you have exactly. to keep it more of a knowledge and i mean that's that's what they did i mean it's like the, the, again i mentioned this after the end of the game but went by like in two hours and 40 minutes quick it game flew by. yeah so that 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 kind of tells you again they aren't really conceding many explosive plays. I think they conceded um, a few more this week as opposed to the past weeks. But take regardless, they're not man. doing it at a frequent level, no. and that tells you that they want to keep stuff in front of them. Um, whether it's playing off cover, off the line of scrimmage with their corners, um, you know, spot dropping. I don't think that's very smart to be clear, especially against that offense. Right, but right. I, I just either. I feel like. I, I feel like the personnel just really isn't good enough. Maybe Russell Douglas helps a little bit. I don't really expect him to help a lot, but maybe he helps just a little bit too. Yeah, I mean, you know, hold them down on one. He, on one drive. Honest, he's honestly, he's been a nice surprise, but he's still kind of a he's a patchwork guy. He came. No, in I, and I agree. I agree. And he's he's done yeah. well. I mean, no 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 offense. I mean, he's with what they've asked him to do. He's played admirably, and he's done a fine job. Dante, I think, has had a pretty steady year. He's been all right. Um, but, again, it, this is yeah, – their, their two most explosive plays, by the way, were runs, 32 and 25. And that's just – that shit's got to stop. I mean, it's just it, – it continues to plague this, this defense. But at the same time, I can be indignant about it, Billy, but there's nothing they can do. 
to a certain degree because it's just they're limited as far as personnel. So to get mad at Phil Snow about it, I mean, look, the, if you don't like Phil Snow, the time to get mad about that was several months ago. I, I don't have a problem with Phil Snow. I think Phil's actually holding it together pretty well here. It could be a lot more embarrassing in terms of the point differential. Um, but, yeah, they gave up a couple 20-plus yard pass plays. I, I was disappointed because, uh, you know, I know Carolina's missing a few DBs here. And they're short a couple guys up front, but uh, you know Drew Drew was down a couple of his better weapons. My question to you would be this though: Does it really matter that much since they play a lot of intermediate underneath stuff anyway? I mean, was there was was Thomas or Sanders going to be a deep threat, or did they just continue to run what they ran with other guys? I mean, things were just so static, and there was like a ton of soft spots for breeze to exploit and i mean that's what they did i i really don't think that michael thomas or emmanuel sanders would have made a difference but when you're playing this type of defense which i get why they're doing it again i, I said previously just a minute ago that you know it's due to like the personnel then that's just going to happen. Now, I will say there were some players who I think should be mentioned who were disappointments, uh, particularly Shaq Thompson and Jeremy Chin. They were not very good coverage-wise. Yeah. Chin, Chin's uh, kind of so, been Chin's kind of had a little bit of a, a rookie wall. He's been hitting here a couple weeks in a row. He's been a little hot and cold, and I think that's to be expected. But Chin did not play well. You're right. I noticed that. Yeah. No. I mean, I guess my entire thing with the rookies is as long as your first rounder is playing as expected or he's trending forward, then that's yeah. fine. I'm not going to say it's a wash. Well, about, about that, about that though. <laughs> no, I actually thought Derek Brown played well. You did. But, okay. Well, and I'll, I'll get to that in a minute. But yeah, let's dive into have, that in a minute. I, I, yeah, I'd like, I'm really fat. Cause I haven't looked at the tape. I looked at the game sporadically, but uh, I, I, yeah, let's get your thoughts in a minute, but finish your over the thought here. Yeah, no, I just want to finish this thought because and Nick actually wrote this, Nick Underhill. He said on, on 15 attempts that Breeze had against cover three, he only attempted three passes traveling 10 or more yards through the air. Yeah. yeah. So he was the one kind of just dinking and dunking his way. And that's what the Saints have done throughout this entire Peyton. Absolutely. Um, Breeze tenure. Yeah, that's so, been their formula since like 20... 20- I mean, more so even like since 2017 when they sort of went through their renaissance to get their offense clicking again with Kamara. Uh, that, that, I think that tide turned around then, but you're right. I mean, I, I noticed that too, That, and I think I saw something from Nick on that. That, uh, And we talked about that the, the leading up to this game. I watched the Raiders Monday night game, and it was evident there that this, even with Michael Thomas in there, they just – it, I don't know what it is. It's just the, the philosophy that Sean has now with Drew's limitations, maybe. Um, but you're right. I mean, it's just there's not much to it. They just sort of just poke at you 10 yards at a time. Sure. Yeah. And I, I mean, that's that's sort of it is what it is, yeah. kind of. And I mean, you, at some point, until you, <laughs> at some point, I know, you, but you, I mean, you like to get them off the field once. I mean, it's a, no, they, they don't punt once. And I just, I know New Orleans is really good. They're really efficient, sure. but just no punts is just, and I know Carolina's got some injuries and it's a young defense, but uh, that, that hurt him, man. I mean, that's the ball game. No, I'm not trying to make excuses for why it happened. I'm just trying to 
give plausible explanations as to the issues that the defense has right now. Oh no, I get like, that totally. So, and and so we mentioned this last week, the lack of interior pass rush, yeah, is really hurting this team because you just yes. look back at when this team had success against them, when they had short and star like pushing yep. the pocket and, yep. and those two edge rushers whether Charles it's johnson CJ inside yep they, they did they did a lot of creative things too in terms of getting ends on or greg hardy every... yeah yep. like it i mean it, it just it takes time to really build up the talent level now i i, I am also aware that no team in nfl history is going to have like the perfect roster yeah. so you have to come up with solutions but given what we know about the talent level in this defense, I think it's fair to give them a pass. It, it was, um, it felt kind of just like a concession at that point, because you really can't blitz pressure that just get yeah, breeze will eat you up there. And there's no guarantees you get home and you've got to just <laughs> hope that Kerr and Brown and, and you Bravey and Roy, whoever else is coming in there, Woodrow Hamilton, you got to hope maybe they can have the game of their life, but coming in, you just, it feels helpless. Cause you're right. If you don't have you and I talked about this, you brought this point up last podcast. If you know, going in, you don't get the interior pressure on a drew Brazen, and you got Tom Brady right around the corner here. It's going to be a long day. And uh, fortunately Carolina stayed toe to toe with them scoring wise, but you know, you can't get them off the field. If you can't get pushed inside, you get some guys, you can, do the edge thing and that's enough and, and you can contain like the more mobile guys, but you got to get inside push on breeze. And it felt helpless because you just knew Brown wasn't going to be that guy. Now, now you said he played a pretty good game and I, I trust your analysis because I haven't seen a lot of the tape. This, this is a great point that you bring up because yeah. there was, I'm not sure if anyone else follows it, but there's been a huge discussion over Aaron Donald's run defense. <laughs> yes. Thank you. But, but, but I, I, I think, I, just, I, I think, let, her, let me, I let, think me let, let our listeners just real quick. Um, sure. Go to, go to my Twitter. Maybe Billy's retweeted it. I, I don't, who, who's the, who's the gentleman's name, by the way, Brian Burke. Do you know him? Is he a good, is he a good guy? Or I mean, I'm a, is I don't, he I, I just know that. I mean, he's been, he's been working with football analytics since like, okay. He's like one of the first people to just, work just on football. Analytics. Go go check out his Twitter, guys, and have a ball with it. That's all I'm going to tell you. But get back to your point, Billy. So the point I was making was that he was making, obviously, these, you know, making, I guess he was making these judgments that Aaron Donald's not a good run defender. But yeah, I think not only did that get shut down, that got shut down for a multitude of reasons because run defense is not necessarily an individual thing. Tackles, it's right? a collective yeah, thing. Exactly. And so what I saw from Derek Brown and Zach Kerr, I should mention, they both played pretty well against the run. Yeah. They held up their, you know, they held up with leverage and the line of scrimmage. They weren't getting pushed back crazy amount, but the linebackers did not do well. The edge rushers in particular did not play well mm-hmm. against the run. Um, I mean, Burns had a pretty good game, but even then his run defense was, was enough to snuff fast. Yeah. So I think the combination of the linebackers and edge rushers playing really poorly on that side of the ball really just allowed the Saints to have a field day running it. Now things did get better in the second half, but not by much because the Saints really didn't run the ball much in the second half. They kind of more relied on Drew's arm um, to move the ball. So, yeah, well, the, the running thing is just fundamentals. I mean, it's just fitting 
your gap responsibilities and there's veterans that are <laughs> simply falling out of line. And again, I don't know every call defensively, so I'm very careful to call guys out. But when you can see an obvious situation where you know, 52 is sort of getting washed up there and he's out of his gap, out of position, or 54 or even 53 with Burns, it's just something they need to continue to work on. I, I, that bitter taste from last year is still in everybody's mouth about the run defense, and it's an entirely new you know, piece of schematics here and a new coordinator. So you don't want that carryover effect to, to weigh you down. But I was frustrated by it because I knew coming in, I said, this is just going to be a Sean Payton ground and pound fest. And they, they threw it a lot too. I mean, they did everything. They ran a ton of plays, but I knew they would do what they did. It was too obvious. And Sean's a smart guy and he's going to attack you where you're weak. And until Carolina can stop a team like that on the ground, it's going to be the same way. I just, uh, but yeah, that's a fine point you you bring up about Derek. That's why I like to look at this tape as much as I can before we do the shows, but I haven't had a chance. But it's uh it's an interesting situation they're in. They've got a lot of moving pieces on defense, of course. K1 shorts out, um, and they're really thin. I, I wrote this today on Twitter. It's Captain Obvious. It's the thinnest position group I can think of. They have, Bill. I mean, you may disagree, but Interior. No, John. John, you're right. You, I think you said it in the maybe in the preseason. Even this was a major. No, I said it back in like post draft. You said it. it was like you were you were on top of it, and um, it it's going to hurt them. I mean, if you're concerned about winning in the short term, which you know most people get into that because you start winning, you want to win more. I get it. Yeah, you're you're going to get your butt kicked if you cannot rotate good people inside and keep them fresh and right now i don't have a lot of faith in what they've got behind kerr and uh, brown I, I do like kerr a lot i think he's played very well this year and brown's a rookie and he's had his ups and downs but um um do you want to comment on tier whitehead is there anything else you want to say there i mean it's <laughs> yeah I, mean... I don't know what I, I don't know what else i can say other than we knew what we were getting we talked about it um there's no splash plays, you know, like Stanley said I mean, on our podcast, is, he, the middle linebacker just, needs to be an ass kicker with some energy and he's just there. He's just a there guy. He's not bringing anything. No juice. I mean, they did give a Darius Taylor 18 snaps. And he performed yeah. pretty well, in my he opinion. He played better. Yeah. I thought he played better than, uh, than, than Whitehead. He didn't play as many snaps. It's uh-huh. sample size, but uh do you think they do you think they transition him out of the lineup at some point? I mean, the snap counts have gone down. Do you think they even bother with that this year because it's a one year deal? What what's the approach there? Should See, we the, this, I, mean, this, I don't know, John. Like this is just it comes back to team building. Like everything about this game comes back to team building, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't want to turn in turn this t- podcast into that because people are gonna have various opinions on how to build a football team but yeah but we want you're leaving yourself (laughs) that's why you have a show we want your opinion (laughs) no well well, obviously i wouldn't have signed to your whitehead but this comes back to what do they value in the draft essentially like you could have found i'm not talking about the first round but maybe the second or third round you could have really went out there and traded back and looked for more picks to get you know, to build up your depth. I mean, but was but was he was he the best veteran option available at that price, or was it just the Temple thing? I mean, he was cheap. If he was, I, mean, I he take would... your. I just can't remember what the market was at that point. He may, he may very well have been the only veteran out there. Well, I, I'm just looking back 
Um, you know, the, the two linebackers at Oakland, or excuse me, Vegas signed Littleton and Kwiatkowski. They paid him big money. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to get into um, that. Yeah. And, and usually, just in general, like paying linebackers in free agency is not really something you should do. Just look at the Bucks. They have the best linebacker, too, in the NFL. Both of those guys they drafted. And what do the, both of those guys have? They have speed and they have instincts and they have. Sure the ability to take on players. They're not really out of control either. So while they have the requisite athleticism, they know how to use it. So they're not just running through gaps with zero remorse. Right. They time their, well, they time themselves really well. So when they read their run keys, they're able to take good angles and, uh, either yes, make right. run stops or TFLs. So it's those a great, are the type a, of line That's a fun group to watch, and they had the, also the advantage of, I know Vitave is out, but the, is it Nunes Roche is the other nose tackle? They have some skilled, and they have Sue as well, skilled guys up front to keep them clean. So it uh, reminds me of the good old days when, when we had that sort of front seven dynamic. And maybe they'll get back yeah, there, so, but these are the growing pains with a bad defense. It, it, we knew it was going to be bad. I don't want to knock Whitehead too much because he's just here to hold a place, but Ah, oh, man, it's rough. Come off the Luke Keekley, man. It's just, I, I feel the fans' pain out there, but I try to remind people, like, there's nothing you can do about it. It is what it is. Yeah, I mean, I just checked over the cap. It's one year, two and a half million dollars. Yeah, I looked at that earlier. He, he's, I mean, I would be shocked if he's back, but we'll, we'll see where they, we'll see where they go with that. Um, I, I wouldn't expect him to, to return. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I thought Curd Brown played okay. Uh, on the interior, I mean, certainly not what you want. You know, like I said earlier, Burns played well. Right. Um, no issues with me there. Burns uh, always plays well, though. He's just like yeah. autopilot. Uh, <laughs> the run yeah, defense sure. was a little off. I, I hear you on that. But, man, geez, three strip sacks in, in, what, four or five weeks. I mean, that's it's kind of been a minute since Carolina's had that that ability to turn a game around at any moment from a from an edge guy. I mean, it's – uh. It's encouraging. Did that dip move, Billy? Did you see that? That was beautiful. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I mean, that's just sick. Yeah, I, I sound like a broken record here, but it's just the competitive nature of this team. I just wanted to see week in and week out, you know, a good effort, a good showing. A, a, you, you're, you're being out coached. Are you not being out coached? Well, they're not. I mean, obviously, they're, they're, they're doing just fine. Are you being outplayed in some areas? Sure, you are, but you're also winning some matchups. And I think they put together a good little program here so far. They've got some some good vibes, good momentum. If you want to start diving forward to what's coming up this week, it's an interesting week for us because we usually do two pods. We've got a Thursday game, and that's usually when we're recording our Friday show. And it's Atlanta. It's Raheem Morris. And it's uh, – <laughs> can Atlanta find any more ways to lose a game, Billy? Did you see that? Yeah, I mean, that was oh. – yeah, it reminded me of the Penn State game the night yeah, before. right. Exactly. The uh, – Gurley's just trying to, to take a nap before he hits the, the goal line and, and no good. And and Stafford, of course, you know, ripping it like Brett Favre takes him right down. And it's, uh, hey, what are you going to do? They, they may be their curse. But Atlanta seems to have a way at times to sort of uh, catch Carolina in, in a bad spot. Raheem's actually got them playing pretty well. I, I think so. What, what do you think about where Atlanta is right now? There's a lot of talk they were going to unload some guys. I don't know if that's where they're heading, but just saw them a couple weeks ago. Where are they're, they now under Raheem Morris? Their defense looks a lot better. I know they gave up that touchdown at the end of the game, but um, throughout the game against Detroit, they played really well. So yeah. I'm not really surprised that Raheem is getting a lot of 
um, or that he has them playing pretty well on that side of the ball. I think if you remember last year when they uh, made the changes to their defensive staff, I think Coach Morris took a more vocal uh, role in, right. in that. Yep. But I mean, this week it's it's so hard to predict how Thursday night games go, especially a team that's really not traveling far, like Atlanta. Yeah. Um, I mean, if Carolina was playing like Dallas or someone like Minnesota who's going to travel like two hours or something, then maybe right. I think it could have an, a, some sort of benefit. But it's a division game. We've already played them, so they'll have all the tape they need on us. Uh, but, I mean, Carolina should be favored. They have no reason not to win by more than a touchdown. Yeah, they should be. And I, I think, again, it, it gets back to when I talk to players and I've, I've talked to some former league guys and coaches, I mean, they, they all echo the same sentiment when you're in year one of a program, especially when it's been a struggle for this franchise in the division. It's really important to to get yourself some division wins under your belt and set that tempo. And Atlanta has had – Carolina's number forever. Uh, they sort of broke that tie a couple weeks ago, got the road win, which was big. And I think a, a clean sweep of Atlanta, I don't care what their record is, that that means something. Um, I think it, it gets – uh, Matt Rule, who obviously values rivalries, he's he values competitiveness, he understands the nature of it and how to motivate these guys. You know, DJ Moore made the comment a few weeks ago that you know, I don't know of a rivalry about Atlanta, Carolina. I don't blame him because since he's been here, it hadn't been much of one. But you remember some of the good old days, man, where there were some battles um, back in the John Fox era and even early on in Ron years. It's an opportunity for – Carolina to keep themselves relevant and alive in this very strange year, which is going to have an extra playoff opponent, you know, a seventh team. I don't start looking at that seriously until after Thanksgiving. I think it's probably a bad idea. We peek at it. Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at it now. Um, it's it's going to I mean, be tough. You're slide. probably going to have four teams. You're, you're probably going to have the entire NFC West make the playoffs. And it's the and damn NFC East. Wins again. <laughs> the damn NFC East is. Just... Yeah. And, and then you probably, I mean, the Lions are five and one and the Packers are five and one. Uh, the Lions and are five. Obviously, and one. The you mean the Bears? The, excuse me, the Bears. The Bears <laughs> like, and the Packers are five and one. It's like, what did Patricia do? Uh, but yeah. the, I mean, the Lions are playing well. The Lions are playing yeah. well, John. You can't, like, Matt Patricia's coaching for his job and they're they're playing with. I'll give him heart. credit. I, I was. I was kicking the shit out of him on Twitter the other day, and uh, they, they've responded. The feeling is that Tampa is starting to pull away a little bit here, and I, I think that might be a pretty fair assessment. And, and based on uh, our I wouldn't. No, I mean, ahead. the Saints are a game back. They already beat them. Well, I'm with you on that, but I'm feeling Tampa is a better I think Tampa is the best team in the NFL. Right? Yes, that's where I'm at with it. I don't think New Orleans yeah. is going to win more than 10 games. I think they can still drop some on these schedules. I see them as a very good team, but, I mean, Carolina's got a lot of holes, and they took them down to the wire. They're, they're good. They're not great. They have holes. They have issues. They're not the best team in the division, but they're second best, clearly. But uh, Tampa, what can you say? I mean, did, we talked about the offense and the offseason. I mean, they look like a machine right now. Todd Bowles deserves most of if not the good majority of the credit defensively for what they're doing in terms of getting them to a, a great position and the players too, they, they were just 
very talented and very fast. So I, I just, I'm with you on that. The division, I'm not looking at this as a very winnable situation. I even had this conversation in the preseason would have been insane. I'd have been like, well, dude, come on. There's no way we're winning two, three games. Yeah. But honestly, you know, they're, they're right there in the mix. And that's kind of fun. I mean, it's fun for the fans that kind of want to have some hope. I mean, after a pretty rough go here the past few years, but expectation yeah. management's important. I think you're probably in agreement with that. You, there's going to be some tough games coming up here after Atlanta and uh, makes it all and the That's what important. I said last, last week. I said yeah. that these next four or five games are going to give us a good litmus test on yeah. how this season will turn out. So obviously it was the Saints this week. We know the Falcons on Thursday and then at Kansas City, Tampa at home. And Detroit, and we just said Detroit's playing pretty well now. So, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. Let's see how they do yeah. these well, next the, defensively. To your, to your point with Raheem, they're they're not allowing the run at all defensively. I mean, they're going against the Lions, Vikings here. Uh, they gave up a buck twenty four to the Panthers, but that was Dan's last game. So the run defense is, you know, you're going to look at a situation where it, it might even with McCaffrey possibly coming back, which I still think it might be wise to give him one more week. Um, I, I in this climate in this season in particular, where it's not an all or nothing stakes game, uh, depending on the severity, give him maybe one more full week to get right. But regardless of who plays, um, it'll be tough to run against Atlanta because they're coming together. Um it, it won't be easy. I mean, you know, I think Carolina coasted in in a very chaotic situation against Dan Quinn where he kind of knew this was it, and they just stomped on him. And even then, Bill, you mentioned they didn't really have the killer instinct to put it all the way away. So, Can I bring up something real quickly? Yeah, yeah, go for it. No, I, I'm just reading some news. It, it seems like Josh Hawkins and Seth Roberts were released today. I, Billy, I'm glad you yeah, brought can, that can up. You, can, yeah, you can dive it up. I don't know the situation. Josh Klein is our good buddy from the Riot Report. I know you know Josh. I know him. The fans follow him. And I, I just got this from Nick Carboni, our friend, a while ago. Apparently, this is the tweet from Josh Klein. This is last night. Here's Panthers practice squad corner Josh Hawkins at a crowded restaurant dancing in an aisle without a mask last night via Instagram. No rules against NFL players going out, but Panthers have had a rash of players on COVID the past two weeks. This isn't a great look. That's from Josh Klein. Um, And it just so happens that uh, following up on that, I, I read from Joe Person first that Josh Hawkins was cut. So it would appear that, and it looks like Seth Roberts has also been cut which I'm just learning that right now. Yeah, what's the deal with that? I don't know. I, I'm trying to, and this is again, kind of coming to us here on a, uh, on a Monday night, guys, we're, we're trying to sort of piece together what's going on. Obviously Seth Roberts, wide receiver, uh, had some marginal impact, but uh, I, I don't think is a going to be a huge loss, but still to Josh Klein's point, it's a terrible look. You're a professional football player in the middle of this and you're having to follow these protocols and I mean, from my perspective, at least, it, you don't want to expose yourself like that. I don't know for a fact, but that's what they're they're hinting at. I'm not even sure who he is. Josh Hawkins. Yes. Well, he's he's no longer a Panther, Billy. That's what he is. <laughs> he's, a, he's a practice squad corner. I've never seen him play, so I I really don't think it's a huge football deal. Hey, one last thought here: Are are they going to pay Taylor Moten at some point? Because he continues to just throttle people. He played so well again. I just ask we, Marty. We well, ask Marty, right? <laughs> yeah. Why don't you ask Marty? Hashtag yeah, I ask Marty. You need to pay that contract out quick. If if you keep waiting, it just it's 
going to get higher and higher. I don't know by this point in time what more he needs to show you. And to give some local media credit, like I said, Kyle Billy did ask him, uh, Marty Herney, this question, and he kind of just sidestepped it. But I don't. I just. I feel like this is a question for the coaches since they're taking on a bigger role with the personnel on the roster. So I'd like love to hear what Matt says, and then if he deflects it to Herney, then yeah, then I guess that's that's I that. It'd be a great question to ask Matt Roll. I just feel like we're getting accustomed to the, and these are some really like excellent edge rushers. Cam Jordan. Yeah. For as annoying as he can be, he's really good. He's still got it. Yeah. He's, he was shut down and Taylor has just been rock solid. He's the kind of guy you can lean on. He's dependable. He doesn't miss time. Um, he's, he's good in the past, good in the run, uh, good communication, I, just all of it. And he's the kind of guy you'd like to build one side of your line around. Uh, and I think James Bradbury has proven that it was a mistake for Carolina not to re-sign him. He's, he's really been good, hasn't he? I mean, you, he's had the cup, I think one or two pick sixes. He's been like one of the bright spots for that team. I don't think that contract was that egregious looking back now. That's See, what, three years, like 40 million or something. Yeah. I mean, they paid what Peters got paid and all these other guys got major bank. And I, I think he's a, he's a quiet, modest guy. So he doesn't get the pub, but we've seen what he could do. I mean, he's, He's quite effective. He was very good against Mike Evans for a long time. Very good against Julio Jones at times. So, I mean, it's it's interesting that um, some of these Carolina guys do shift on and, and some have success, some don't. But Taylor, I don't want that to be a guy that gets away. Well, Billy, uh, we covered the Saints. We covered the Panthers. Uh, 27-24 loss there. Big game coming up on Thursday. Any closing thoughts on your end on uh, the week in the NFL here? Pretty interesting week. I mean, there were ton of good games on um so i was happy to see that especially the sunday night game was pretty wild and yeah something the battle of ohio was a good one too that came down to the end so right yeah i mean season's flying by like usual whenever football starts season starts and next thing you know it's thanksgiving and then then the season we're already at week seven bro this is crazy it's like flies by you got bears and rams as we tape this on monday night going at it. it's a big game in the nfc so we're gonna log off here guys thanks for joining us billy marshall thank you so much john ellis is my name this is the world podcast check us out on spotify itunes anywhere you get your podcast and thank you for joining us on blue wire enjoy the game on thursday you might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on all the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off by wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts.